All right, so we'll be talking about the covenant briefly. We have ten basic vows. The first vow is about believing that the word of God contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament is infallible and rationally coherent. The second is about the shorter catechism as a basic summary. Do you believe it's a basic summary of what the Bible teaches? The third one is about the definition of God and the doctrine of the Trinity. God is one in definition or essence and three in person. The next is about the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see here the doctrine that he is truly God and truly man, which means there's the eternal divine mind and then a human mind and human body added to so that inside of a legal union you have Christ. The God-man. So the actions of one are counted to the other so that we have a Redeemer who can die in our place without sinning. Five is an acknowledgement of our guilt and our need for salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in the mediatorial work of Christ alone. And so that faith is the instrument that connects us to the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Six talks about the idea of the triple duty to God. Because God is our creator, because God is our covenant God, because God is our redeemer who has paid for our sins. Therefore, we have a motive, a triple motive, to live our lives to his glory out of gratitude for grace given. Seven, eight, and nine are explanations of the subcategories of how we live to glorify God by seeking the knowledge of truth for yourself by seeking to act according to the knowledge of the truth, by applying the moral law, and by seeking to spread the knowledge of the truth in discipleship and evangelism, preferably in the reverse order. And ten is a drawing out of the idea that when there's a covenanting into a church, that you ought to examine that church, and that you're swearing to examine the marks of doctrine, worship, and government. And that a part of your duty as a baptized and Lord's Supper taking member is to do that. And then the idea that before separation, you are swearing to pursue your side of public conflict resolution. The church has an obligation to provide that. Which means no secret courts. It means a public meeting of a court. And a voting of the heads of household before the removal of a person by discipline. Now, there's a commitment to work with zeal and knowledge for the peace, purity, and unity of the church. And some of the distinctives that we have in this is a reminder that we are a family-integrated church, and so we focus on teaching heads of households to be the shepherds of their home. And so Christian education and family worship and private worship to feed self Those are the principal things that are checked in on to make sure that the house is in good order. And besides that requires the display of some sort of sin or coming and asking for counseling to get a special sort of uh, call for attention. So that's the philosophy of ministry in the church is to focus on the heads of house and leading their homes and to avoid the usurpation of the fathers. So are there any comments, questions, or objections from those with speaking rights before I move into the administration of covenant. All right. So, that being the case, 
Mr. and Mrs. Marsh, if you please come forward. Welcome. So I will be asking you these questions, and when I've reached the end, because some of them are a little bit long, I will say, do you? So that you know that I've reached the end, and if you agree, please say, I do. And you understand the nature of a covenant. We talked about that. And so these are life or death promises. You're swearing to God as a vow. But there are also ways in which there are promises to the congregation. So that makes sense? Great. All right. So then I'll read these and we'll proceed. Do you believe all the statements and necessary inferences of the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the rationally coherent and infallible word of God, the very truth itself, and the only rule for faith and life? Do you? I do. Do you believe that the Westminster Shorter Catechism is a faithful summary of the basic doctrines of scripture? Do you? I do. Do you believe that the one living and true God is a spirit who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, and that this one God is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that these three persons are one God, the same in being, in agreement in all things, and equal in power and glory. Do you? I do. Do you believe that the only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who, being the eternal Son of God, became man and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct beings, two distinct minds, yet one Christ forever. And that Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul, being conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary and born of her, yet without sin. Do you? I do. Val 5. Do you believe that you are guilty and helpless as a sinner against God? Repent of your sin and believe that God, by grace alone, has pardoned all of your sins and accepted you as righteous in his sight only because of the righteousness of Christ imputed to you and received by belief alone. Do you? I do. Vow 6. Do you believe that because God is the Lord, your God, and your Redeemer, having saved you from your sin? by grace alone, through faith alone, and the mediatorial work of Christ alone. That the only reasonable response to God's authority and mercy is to live your life as an acceptable sacrifice to God, seeking to glorify Him in the whole of life by knowing the truth, acting according to the knowledge of the truth, and spreading the knowledge of the truth, all out of gratitude for the grace of God given to you. Do you? I do. Vow 7. Do you promise to glorify God by seeking the knowledge of the truth for yourself and for your household, by diligently engaging in private worship and household worship, both of which should be daily and should ordinarily include partaking of the scriptures, prayer, and the singing of psalms, keeping the Lord's Day, observing the appointed sacraments, and attending to the call of the church to gather for the worship of God and for the government of the church? Do you? I do. Vow 8. Do you promise to glorify God by seeking to act according to the knowledge of the truth as revealed in the moral law, which is the whole duty that God requires of man, is summarized by the two great commandments, is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments, and is explained accurately in the Westminster Shorter Catechism? Do you? I do. Vow 9. 
Do you promise to glorify God by seeking to spread the knowledge of the truth by engaging in and supporting evangelism and discipleship in the whole counsel of God, providing a Christian education for your household, tithing to the church, and cooperating with others in the church in order to fill the earth with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea? Do you? I do. Bow 10. Do you promise to carefully examine the doctrine, worship, and government of this church according to Scripture alone, to determine whether these marks of the church are being kept pure and entire, to submit unto the government of this church in all lawful exercises of church authority, and to refuse submission unto all unlawful exercises of church authority, to follow the biblical requirements of conflict resolution prior to the separation from this body as summarized authoritatively in Matthew 18 and Acts 15, and subordinately in the constitution of the scripturalist church, and to work in the church with zeal and knowledge for peace, purity, and unity in the truth. Do you? I do. Wonderful. And welcome. We'll now be singing a psalm, Psalm 133. Please stand, rejoice in the unity that's seen in this covenanting. And then right after, we'll have the administration of the Lord's Supper, and we'll be joyful to have the admission of the marshes to the table. All right, Psalm 133, a song of ascents of David. Oh, truly, it is very good and pleasant to behold when the brethren come together and dwell in unity. Oh, it is like the precious oil poured out upon the head, which does run down from Aaron's beard even to his garments, as the dew from Hermon descends upon Zion's mountain. For there the Lord his blessing gave even eternal life. So the blessing of unity gives strength. Offices are about the exercise of power to serve. And unity is like the oil which represents strength to serve and the power that comes from that unity. And so the unity and the truth allows us to be an effective witness together. And true witnesses deliver souls. And doing that together, we have a greater witness. And so... We see now that this unity is life-giving. It is like dew that comes to Mount Zion and gives blessing, even the blessing of eternal life. Let's sing. (laughs) Oh, truly it is very good and pleasant to behold. When the brethren come together and dwell in unity. Oh, it is like the precious oil poured out upon the head, which does run down from Aaron's beard even to his garments. As the dew from Hermon descends upon Zion's mountain, for there the Lord his blessing gave even eternal life. All right. Those of you who will not be participating in the Lord's Supper, let me dismiss you with a blessing. Grace to you and peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.